Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to this podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Podcast. Join us each Sunday at 9 and 1030 on Facebook Live. Also, this Sunday we will be having an outdoor service at 930 a.m. We are in our series, Old is New, the final week of our series, and we've been having some fun diving into the Old Testament. I really like spending some time in the Old Testament, and if you're not familiar with your Bible, you you know the majority of your Bible is the Old Testament, but oftentimes we, we spend a lot of time preaching, teaching from the New Testament, and so for three weeks, we wanted to take three specific characters, three specific snapshots to learn about the call of God. Last week, the heart of God, and this week the power of God. And so thank you for joining in and diving in. And many of you got to watch with us. Some of you showed up in the parking lot last week. We loved having you there as we talked about the heart of God. And remember, what is the heart of God? It moves us, right? It moves us from observation to participation. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about already uh, when we're talking about best week ever. What is that doing? It's moving us as a church from just observing to participating out in the community, out in the world. And that's the heart of God. It moves us from a posture of observation to a posture of participation. And today I want to talk to you about the power of God. And to do that, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. And I'm going to give you some context and background because we could spend a lot of time in Daniel chapter 3. It's a story you might be familiar with. It's about a three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Those are, that's a mouthful there. And a little bit of context, we're going to begin reading in just a few minutes in verse 13 of Daniel 3. Some of you have got your version Bible app. Open it there. We have the event set up with some notes there. But we're going to begin in verse 13. But here's the context of the story that we're about to read. A famous Bible story. Maybe you grew up in the church kind of like me and you remember hearing this as a Bible story and that's great. Maybe you have no idea. You've never heard the story and that's okay. Today we're all going to dive in and look with fresh eyes at Daniel chapter 3. But here's what's going on in Daniel chapter 3. There's a king a king of Babylon, his name is Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, and he built a statue, not like a little, you know, it's 96 feet tall and nine feet wide, plated in gold, and we don't exactly know what the statue is of, but we know it is perhaps of Nebuchadnezzar's gods or even of himself, and he demanded that all the high-ranking officials and all the people would bow down and worship this statue when the music played. Well, Nebuchadnezzar had appointed three Hebrew men, and that's important because these Hebrews were living in exile. They were not living in the land that was their own, but even in exile, God had honored their faithfulness. And so they were promoted to a position of leadership, and not everyone was excited about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three Hebrews, being appointed to a position of authority. And so some of the Chaldeans began to look for trouble, began to look for ways to get them in trouble. And so as this decree was made that anyone who wouldn't fall down would be thrown into the fire, they're very quick to point out to king, ooh, look, king, there's three men who are not bowing down before this statue. And we're going to pick up the reading in verse 13 of Daniel chapter 3. This is the word of the Lord for us today. It says this, furious with rage... 
Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the zither and the lyre and the harp and the pipe, I love the verse that Aubrey read a few minutes ago, and I love all the... um, the instruments, and I I like some more zither in my life, and and flute, and harp, and pipe, and all these things, right? But it says, when all of those things play, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? I, I, this is a pretty bold question, right? And I don't know, I'm going to call him Nebi. I don't know, I, if your name is Nebuchadnezzar and that offends you, you can talk to me later. I actually have questions for you if your name is Nebuchadnezzar. But King Nebi, right? right? He, I don't think he really knows. He's got the audacity to kind of say, what God can, it's like he's testing God. He's testing the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, saying, I'll throw you into the fire and what God could possibly save you then? King Nebi dares to ask. That sounds like Debbie. Maybe I'll call him Neb instead. We'll do that. Um, I don't want to offend anybody named Debbie. Okay, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, listen to this, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. So look, the face of danger, the, the, fa- the, the obstacle before him, it would be so easy for them to rationalize, well, I'm going to bow my knees, but not my heart. Or I'm just going to do this so that I... But they don't. When the moment of trial comes, they stand. And they stand tall. Almost defiantly, the God we serve will deliver us. And then it it comes to the best verse in Daniel chapter 3. I think what we're about to read might be the most five important words in all of the Old Testament. And if that doesn't get your attention, I don't know what will. But look at what they say. It's not enough in verse 17 that they say, oh, our God can deliver us and he will deliver us. Look at what it says in verse 18. They go on to say, but... And these are the five words, even if he does not. Listen to that faith. (laughs) That challenges me. Those five words, like they're saying, he will be faithful and he will do it. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. I mean, talk about boldness. Talk about, we're talking about today the power of God. Talk about power being witnessed in this. I mean, they are staring at death in the face. They can see, maybe even feel the heat of the furnace. And not only do they believe that God will deliver them, they even go as far to say, but you know what? Even if he doesn't, King, we're still gonna obey. We're still going to trust. Today, I want you to focus on a truth of this story. I think it's really powerful. And I I like to say it this way. Today, I want you to understand what it means to be not saved from the fire, but saved in the fire. 
I think that's the, that the powerful truth of this story is not, not being saved from the fire, but being saved in the fire. Because I believe that this story shows the power of God in such profound ways, not that they were saved from the fire, but they were saved even in the fire. Let's keep reading. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes and trousers and turbans and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not saved from the fire. They were thrown in. But let's keep reading. Verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't? There are three men tied up and thrown into the fire. They said, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of fire listen to those words they came out of people don't come out of fires that's not a normal thing but it says Shadrach Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps and prefects and governors and royal advisors crowded around them they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies nor was their hair on their heads singed their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them and if you're a frequent campfire you know, participant, you know, that's a miracle in and of itself. I stink for days after being near fire. They didn't even smell like fire. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him, and they defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree therefore i decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of shadrach meshach and abednego be, be cut into pieces oh, and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save in this way then the king promoted shadrach meshach and abednego in the province of babylon Man, I love the Old Testament, too, because it's like rarely PG, right? You got to cut them into pieces and tear their house to rubble. But this is the word of the Lord for us. And I believe that this passage teaches us so much about the power of God. The power of God that we are not saved from the fire, but saved in the fire. You see, it's not if you experience the fire, but when. It's not if you face trials, but when. Not if you are faced with a moment of decision, a moment of temptation, but when you face the moment of decision, 
and temptation. It's not if you are asked to fall in line with the kingdom of this world, with the ways of man, but when. It's not if, but when. Not if the ways of God oppose the ways of man, but when they do. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood tall. Uh, Today, I I want to challenge you with a story. And here's the temptation for me, especially when we read maybe any uh, story, but especially in the Old Testament. Sometimes we can read stories and they just don't seem real to us. They just seem so, um, not just you know, magical, almost like a fairy tale. And when we kind of read these and say, ooh, well, that's a neat, a neat story. And we kind of turn and move on with our lives. And, and it's so easy for us to look at something like this in this story and say, well, I, man, I'll never face a situation quite like that with life or death. Kind of look at a story and turn the page and say, well, that's a neat story for me. But the more I read this story, the more I thought, what if, What if this story in Daniel chapter 3 is placed here, not as an extreme example, not as some outlandish thing that we would look at even thousands of years later and say, whoa, that's crazy, but but what if this story is placed in Scripture, not to show us some extreme example of obedience, but to show us what the example of obedience should be for all of us, maybe this is the standard. We read the story of Abraham just a few weeks ago and, and the story of him placing his son, his, uh, his dream, the prayer that he had prayed for so many years that God blessed him with, and he's asked to place that on the altar. And we look at that and say, whoa, that's crazy. But what if Abraham is the standard? What if we have become so comfortable with a life where we play it safe and we don't take any risks and we don't anything. And the problem with that kind of life is we can live that kind of life on our own power, on our own strength. And today, as we talk about the power of God, we have to look at stories like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3 and realize that maybe this is the standard. Because in order to live like this, in order to obey like that, in order to have that kind of faith, I can't rely on my power I have to rely on the power of God and maybe we would be really tempted to turn the page flip the script say oh that's that's a cute story but maybe the Lord wants us to see that this is the standard for those who have the power of God at work in them I, I want you to lean in with me today to, to just understand two things specifically about the power of God It's clear in this story, and this is where I think it applies to our lives, yeah, even in 2020. This is true. I believe it's this. The power of God gives you the ability to obey. It gives you the ability to obey. The power of God. Now, I really don't believe on your own strength you can fully obey the Lord on your own strength, on your own power. There's going to be a moment. You can try, you can get there, that there will be a moment when the Lord asks you to do something and you look and in your power and your strength and your wisdom, you say, that's ridiculous. But the power of God, 
the power at work in us. And, and the power of God's available to us in Christ. If we are in Christ, his power is available to us. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He made a way for us to be reconciled to God. Our, our sins would be forgiven. And then God's power is available to us if we are in Christ. And that power gives us the ability to obey just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because maybe they're the standard. Maybe they're the standard of obedience. Not something that we should hold up and say, ooh and ah, but maybe that's what the power of God looks like in a surrendered life. The power of God gives you the ability to obey. You and I face choices every day, and sin is a life or death matter. Because of Jesus, you were far from God, and now you've been brought near, and you've been given his power to stand. Right? They stood, even as everyone else bowed down. They stood tall. See, we live in a world every day where there is a pull. A pull towards living for self a pull towards living for only what's in front of me, only for what I can possess and touch and hold, a pull towards greed, a pull towards identifying so much with the patterns of this world that we have not identified with Christ and been transformed by him. Every day of our lives, we experience a pull towards something and the power of God, his power gives you the ability to obey, to stand tall. No matter how strong the pull is from those around you, from the world in which you're living, no matter how hard it gets, the power of God gives you the ability to obey, even when he doesn't save you from the fire. He gives you the ability to obey. You see, he didn't save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fire, did he? They were thrown in. But even then, God's power gave them the ability to obey. Next, what does it do? The power of God gives you the courage to obey. Not just the ability to obey, but the courage to obey. And the obedience we're talking about takes courage. Back up again for this idea of obedience, because some of us, some of us struggle with that because we look in front of us and there's just nothing. We, some of us are like excited, like, oh, I wish I had an opportunity to stand up like that. I wish I had a, I want to make a statement like that. I want to do something radical and cool and big for God. But the problem is we're not willing to obey him in the little things. We're not willing to obey him and trust him in the little things. We're not willing in the day-to-day -day decisions of our life to obey him. And so when that crisis moment comes, we won't be ready to obey because we haven't obeyed him now with the little things, with the day-by-day -day decisions. But see, the power of God gives us the ability to obey and then the courage to obey. The courage. No one ever said a life of faith and trust in Jesus Christ wouldn't require courage. In fact, be strong and courageous is echoed throughout the story of God time and time and time again. Be strong be courageous. That's what the power of God does for us. Don't be surprised when your life in Christ requires courage to be ready. You see, the truth is, 
I'll talk about me for a minute, right? Uh, I love the idea of obedience. I'm all about obedience. I want to obey you. I want to trust you until the moment of opposition comes, until I see the fire, until I feel the heat of the fire, until the pull around me becomes so great and it's so hard to stand on my own. In that moment, when the moment of opposition comes, I'm not such a fan of obedience anymore. How about you? Right, because oftentimes... We run out of gas when we run into opposition, but the power of God gives us courage when we experience a trial. When we see the fire, we don't abandon ship. We have courage. That's why Jesus said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's why Jesus said, I have told you these things, that in me you would have peace. In this world you will have trouble, Jesus said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. These words were not spoken to a group obeying when it's easy. These words were spoken to a group in the fire. The power of God has the ability, has the ability to cause us to obey and even cause us to have courage when he doesn't save us from the fire, but when we find ourselves within Some of you today, your faith is hurting. You feel devastated and crushed because you're in a fire. And you you think your prayers aren't working. You think God is far from you. You think that you're beating on his chest and he's just turning a blind eye because all you can see right now is the fire. And you're crying out, God, why didn't you save me? Why couldn't have you delivered me? Why did I have to walk through this dark valley? But the truth is, That sometimes in our life when we find ourselves in the fire, we recognize that we cannot rely on our strength anymore. We have to rely on his. And in that moment, God is able to display his power in ways that he never could before. In in the weakest moments of my life, it's when his strength is the greatest. It sounds a little bit like Paul we talked about just a few weeks ago. That his grace is sufficient his power is made perfect in my weakness i'm reminded i'm reminded as we prepare to close of these words from first peter many scholars as they read first peter chapter 4 have no doubt they have no doubt that as peter's writing these words he is absolutely thinking about the story that we just read And the reason that they're so certain is because if you look within the language, within the context of the words we're about to read, the structure of the language, they believe that these words are absolutely pointing back to the story, to the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. Read these words with me. It's just verse 12 and 13 of 1 Peter 4. It says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. That's the, there it is, the words that scholars time and time again believe. Man, Peter's reading back in his Bible to this account. He's remembering this story. He's remembering the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. And now he's speaking to believers saying, don't be surprised that you're in the fire. Don't be surprised that you're in the storm. Don't be surprised that you're looking around and it feels like you're in the valley. As though something strange were happening to you. He goes on in verse 12. But rejoice. 
Rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Because, get this last part, this is good. So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Here's the truth. Can God rescue you from the storm? Can he deliver you so you don't have to go through the valley? Absolutely he can. Can he save you from the fire? Man, yes and amen. And I've got to tell you, there are times in my life where he has done that. But there are moments, there are seasons where I look around and I find myself in the fire. And the truth is in that moment that the power of God is everything to me. It's all that I have. It's all that I can rely on. I can't rely on my own strength anymore. And if I will let him, oftentimes he can get more glory in the fire than he can from saving me from the fire. He can get more glory in my life, even in the midst of the fire, if I will trust him, if I will allow his power and his strength to lead and guide me, if I don't rely on my wisdom anymore, but his wisdom, and oftentimes it's in the fire that we experience his glory. You see, the truth is, in and of itself, being in the fire, that's not, that doesn't make us better. Just because we're in the fire, you know what makes us better? You know what makes it a powerful moment? You know what allows us to give God glory in the midst of it? It's because you are not alone in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown there and God saved them, but he showed up in the fire. That's the power of God. The power of God that he walks with you through the valley. That Jesus is right there in the boat in the midst of your storm. That's the power of God getting glory in your fire because you look around and say, I'm not alone. He's right here with me today. Maybe you feel alone in your fire. I got to tell you, uh, we are in a fire (laughs) right now in our nation, in our world, in, the, in our community. We are in a fire. And I got to tell you that these days I'm leading and I'm trying to pastor and it's with a broken heart in these days. But I got to tell you, I find a lot of comfort this week from God's word reminding me that Adrian, I am with you in the fire. And if you will allow me I can get so much glory as you rely no longer on your strength, but on my strength. And so church, are we ready in these days to stop relying on our strength? Are we ready in these days to stop relying on man's wisdom? Are we ready in these days to admit I don't have the answer? And are we ready in the midst of the fire that's going on around us to say, God, I need your power. God, I need your strength. God, I believe you can get glory even in the fire because you're right here with me. So today, maybe this is very personal for you. Maybe you're experiencing one of the most broken, lonely, isolated times in your life. Maybe uh, like seasons of my life right now, I'm feeling anxious and afraid. And maybe you feel like you're in the fire. I want you to know you're not alone And maybe today you're not saved from the fire, but you're saved in the fire because he's right there with you. We're going to close today with just some powerful words, 
some powerful words. They're simple words that Aubrey's going to lead us in, but they're just powerful words. They're words that you sing when you're in the fire. And so maybe today you can't relate and resonate because you're not there, but I guarantee for those of you that are, as we declare these words together, you're going to feel the power of God. You're going to sense his power helping you to stand firm even in the fire. Because these words say, not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place and today. The enemy of your soul wants you to think you're alone. He wants you to think that you're thrown in the fire and it's all for naught. But today, open your eyes and see that not for a minute have you been forsaken. The Lord is in this place. He stands with you in the fire and his power is enough, even in these days, that he can get glory. Let's close with these words. Let them be our anthem this morning. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.